In our morning services, we've been working through John's Gospel, and uh, I encourage you to, to read along on Sundays, to prepare your heart for that next passage. And uh, we began last week, chapter 7, and I wanted to split the chapter into two messages. We remember that the reason that John is writing his gospel is that we may believe in Jesus, that we may continue to believe in Jesus, that he is who he says he is. And we noted that John's focus in the gospel, unlike the other gospels, is Jesus' ministry in Jerusalem. 80% of John's gospel is centered in Jerusalem and what Jesus said there and what he did and how he fulfilled the feasts, three Passovers, John mentions, the feasts of tabernacles and others. Jesus fulfills them all. So we're going to read uh, from John chapter 7 and reading from verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. John adds, by this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He is the Christ. Still others asked, How can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the Scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he's deceived you as well, the Pharisees retorted. Has any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he is doing? And they replied, Are you from Galilee? Look into it. You'll find that A prophet does not come out of Galilee. Father, we just ask again that you would take your word and accomplish all that you've planned and purposed for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder how long you can hold your breath for. can't see that clearly because it's a little bit big. 
I wonder if you've ever thought how long a person can survive without water. Well, I just Googled it, as you do. And if you're ever stuck out in the wilderness, okay, this was the quote, remember what survival experts call the rule of threes. You can live three minutes without air, though we don't recommend trying it. That was written, okay? After three days, you'll need water or you'll perish, and you can make it three weeks without food. Now, we know that that's just a rule of thumb, as they call them. So there's a rider. Despite this possible helpful rule, some people have survived eight to ten days without water, and I know people have survived without food longer as well. But that's just the rule of thumb. Water is so important. I don't know if you heard in the news um, a week or so ago that in Kenya they had discovered this amazing reservoir, aquifer of water under the ground, deep, deep under the ground. In one of the most desert regions of Kenya, they're now estimating the whole country will have enough water for 70 years. Isn't that amazing? And they just drill down and it gushes out. It is amazing. Fabulous. Water brings life. This is a photograph I took on my way to a meeting in the desert with believers in Egypt. And uh, it would just struck me as we went past because I could see this little patch of green from a distance in the midst of all the yellow sand. And when we got there, there were just people in the middle of that field. And they were watering it. In the middle of the desert, this patch of green was flourishing because of water. When I actually made it to the place where we were going, we passed, obviously, where the Nile goes. And wherever the Nile flows, and where the banks overflow, you can see where it overflows, can't you? Where the banks overflow, it's just lush and fruitful. Everything grows. And then it reaches the edge. And then it's just desert for miles. If anyone is thirsty, Jesus said, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. This was the desert camp that I was making my way to. And this is the living water. Believers from all over Egypt, persecuted believers from all over Egypt, gathering together in the middle of the desert, to worship Jesus. It was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Praying for revival for Egypt. Praying that the river of Jesus' love would flow through their nation. And not only that, praying for the whole of the Middle East. Fantastic. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me, says Jesus. John, as I've mentioned before, loved the Jewish feasts because Jesus fulfills them all. They all point to him. He is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises. He is the one that it points to again and again and again. He is the Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world. 
And as we read this passage in John chapter 7, we're coming to the last months of Jesus' life in chapter 7. Jesus is in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. He was there a year before at the feast. A year before he had healed that man by the pool of Bethesda. The guy who had been crippled for 30 odd years, Jesus had healed him. And he got in trouble with the authorities because he'd healed him on the Sabbath. How dare you! Break the rule of God by healing someone on the Sabbath. And he caused the stir. And here he is back a year later. The Feast of Tabernacles was one of the favorite feasts for the Jews. Tens of thousands of pilgrims would gather in Jerusalem for a week of celebration, a week of remembrance, a week of anticipation, a week of expectation. And as the name supplies, the, the implies they would meet and live in tents, shelters, temporary things. And all over the place, on houses, on roofs of houses, these shelters would spring up. In the streets, these shelters would spring up. In the squares, they would set these shelters up and they would live for the week in these temporary shelters, just like new wine, as I mentioned last week. And they would remember. And they would remember the years in the wilderness when God brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery. He delivered the whole nation and said I was gonna, he was going to bring them into the promised land. And they remember that, how they wandered in the desert for 40 years. The Lord going before them leading them day by day. They would remember the tent of meeting where God would meet with them. And Moses tabernacled among them, the Feast of Tabernacles, shelters, how God tabernacled with them. It had an agricultural significance. It was their harvest festival. The uh, harvest had been brought in of barley and wheat and grapes all gathered in. And it was a time of thanksgiving and rejoicing. Not just for the one harvest, but for all God's provision for them. And water plays an important part in the celebrations of this feast. Every day the people would gather palm branches. One of the things they did in the feast was they would march around the altar, waving the palm branches and singing psalms. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Recalling the scriptures from Isaiah, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation and John writing this wants you all to know that Jesus is the fulfillment of this feast he is the well of salvation he is the author of life he is the wellspring the source of God's salvation and water would be poured out 
as an offering in part of the celebrations. So I want you to imagine this. Jerusalem packed with people. Festivals every day. Marching around, palm branches, singing. They would remember a specific moment from Exodus 17 when 600,000 men plus women and children arrived at a place in the desert called Rephidim and it was parched. There was no water. And the people of God began grumbling to Moses. Why have you brought us here? Why has God brought us out in the desert to die? We might as well go back to Egypt. Because the people of God so quickly forget what God has done for them. And Moses, he just goes to God and says, Why did you give me this people? What am I going to do with them? You got us into this mess. Well, I'm paraphrasing what he said to the Lord. But it would be along those lines. And God says, I want you to strike the rock at Horeb with your staff. The staff you used to strike the sea when they crossed over on dry ground. And the story, if you read it in Exodus 17, Moses strikes the rock. And water comes gushing out. Remember that picture of Kenya? Like that. Not like your teapot on a morning. I'll have a cup of tea. A little pour. Gushing out. To quench the thirst of 600,000 men plus women and children, you need three Olympic-sized swimming pools every day. That kind of water we're talking about. That's a lot of water. They remember that event, that miraculous release of water, streams of living water. The Apostle Paul recalls that event in Corinthians. He says they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and the rock is Jesus. Jesus was the source of that water. Paul uses it in the context of a warning to the people of God because not long after that event, if you read through, the people grumble again and turn away from God and make a golden calf and bow down to it. God who brings them out of slavery, who saves them, who rescues them, who provides for them, they forget so quickly and turn away from him. And Paul writing in the New Testament, saying God wants to raise up a new people who will go for him, live for him. It's a challenge to the church of Jesus Christ in every generation that we do not neglect the work of the Holy Spirit. For years in the church of Jesus, the Holy Spirit was not mentioned. He was not taught about. And God has raised up a generation. And in this nation, he raised up a generation like the Sandy Millers and the Tony Pullins and others who said, God is doing a new thing. We take it for granted that we have Holy Spirit days on Alpha. There was a time in the church where no one talked about the Holy Spirit. 
and the church died. It's the life of God. It's the breath of God. It's the water of life. It's the Holy Spirit that brings life. So they remembered. And they celebrated. This is the feast in Jerusalem. And they looked forward to the day when God would pour out his spirit. When the scriptures would be fulfilled. Joel's prophecy, I will pour out my spirit. Isaiah's prophecy, come all who are thirsty. Ezekiel's prophecy, the river of life flowing from the temple. And wherever the river flows, there is life and life in abundance. And even the Dead Sea becomes fresh. And fish swim in it. And on its banks, trees grow. And it says in this passage, John records how Jesus, on the last and greatest day of the feast, stood up and said in a loud voice, picture this, Jesus, on the last and greatest day of the feast, standing up and shouting in a loud voice. And on that last day, it would be marked by the people marching around the temple seven times, shouting and praising God. It would be marked by the priest going to the pool of Siloam with a pitcher, gathering water and taking it to the altar and pouring the water out in thanksgiving to God. At that moment, Jesus stands up in a loud voice and says, If anyone, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within him. I just find that amazing and deeply, deeply moving. Jesus in the midst of the crowds, at that moment, opening his heart, making this impassioned appeal. As if he's saying, yes, you are thanking God, and rightly so, for the water that quenches you physically. Come for that spiritual water that will quench your soul. That will bring life to your soul. Come to the fountain. Dip your heart in the stream of life. Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away. In the waves of his mercy, it's a song that we sing. We'll sing it later. And he's calling everyone. This isn't a little inclusive. Anyone who's thirsty, everyone who believes, come and drink. He's the one who fulfills the festival, who can quench our spiritual thirst, who can fill the God-shaped hole in our lives. It's Jesus. He's the one who can satisfy the longing in our heart. He's the one who can heal the brokenness of your heart. The things that you keep carrying and keep carrying, he's the one who can deal with that. He's the one who can bring new life, restored life. And not only that, his promise is that he will turn those who respond into rivers. 
themselves. See, the gift of the Holy Spirit is to flow through the church. It's not for the church to ask for the Holy Spirit to come and then put a cork in the front door. Come, Holy Spirit, but just stay in here. And we'll have a wonderful time. And we'll worship. We'll sense your presence. And it'll be glorious. And we'll have tingles. The purpose of the gift of the Holy Spirit for the church is so that we go out. Filled with the Holy Spirit. To a lost and broken world that wherever we go there is life. Because we are carrying the life of God. It's that imagery of Galilee and the Dead Sea, isn't it? Galilee is fed by the River Jordan. And it exits. And it's life, full of life. The Dead Sea, the, river, the water goes into the Dead Sea, but there's no outlet. It's corked up. And it's dead. Streams of living water will flow. So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit that we may go in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost was so the church would be a witness to Jesus in the world. I want to be a stronger witness for Jesus. I need more of his Holy Spirit. I need to be filled every day. What an invitation from Jesus. Anyone who is thirsty, is anyone thirsty for God this morning? Is there anyone who believes in Jesus this morning? It's for you. It's for you. Oh, well, I don't think I need it. Seriously? What an amazing promise. Jesus will quench our thirst and he will fill us to overflowing. Let anyone who is thirsty keep coming to me, keep drinking, keep on being filled. The reactions. Reactions among the crowd and Jesus had said that. I mean, he'd, you know, he'd taken the stand. It will lead to his death when they nail him to the cross. This is the beginning of it. Some said he must be a prophet. Others said he must be the Messiah, the Christ. Others were unsure. Others got really angry. They wanted to seize him, but no one could. Because last week we looked, it wasn't the right time. You can't seize Jesus. He gives his life up. No one laid a hand on him. The temple guards who were supposed to arrest him come back empty-handed because they, no one ever spoke like this man. And no one ever has. I challenge anyone. No one ever spoke like Jesus. Find someone else who spoke more amazing words than Jesus. John says that Jesus spoke the coming of the Holy Spirit that would be poured out when he had been glorified. The cross of Jesus 
forgives our sins, makes our hearts clean. We are saved because of the cross of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us that that water of life may flow from within us. Do you ever feel dry as a Christian? Do you ever feel that you are not as effective as you would want to be as a Christian? Then this is for you. For anyone who is thirsty. For everyone who believes. The wonderful thing is this. We come every week to celebrate the fact that Jesus has been glorified. That Jesus has died on the cross once for all. The sacrifice for everyone who believes to be saved. We celebrate that Jesus is alive. That he rose from the dead. And the offer of his spirit is without limit and available Come, all who are thirsty, today. Come, all who believe, today. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that's a feast worth celebrating. Amen? We're going to pray. I'm going to ask the band to come back. What I'd like to do is just reiterate Jesus' invitation this morning. We're going to begin to worship. We're going to begin to lift our praise. And if you want to respond to Jesus this morning, and you want to do it in a way that just makes a movement, I encourage you to come and worship here at the front. Just find a place, whether you want to stand or sit on the floor or kneel, Just come and worship at the front as your response to say, I am thirsty, I do believe, and I want more of you, God. Of course, you can stay where you are, that's fine. And to respond where you are. And let's just dwell in his presence. We don't have to conjure anything. We just respond to his invitation. So those things that I've just said earlier in the message, if any of those have applied to you, I encourage you to come. Just come and stand and worship. We're not going to have the team praying for anyone. We're just making a response ourselves this morning. And just spend time. We've got time in God's presence this morning. And we're just going to be praying as we come to the front and worshiping and just allowing God to come and refresh us. He always keeps his promises. don't have to stay at the front for all the time. You can go back to your seat if you want to at any time. But I think there's an importance of responding. Responding. So let's stand. I'll just pray.